Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. It's February 14th, the day we're supposed to send flowers and hearts to the one we love, our significant other, our soulmate. But what if that relationship isn't really the most important one in our life? What if our friends are actually the ones we should be romancing with nice dinners? Today, we look at whether societal norms have convinced us that finding the one and focusing all our love on them is the right thing to do, or whether surrounding yourself with a group or even just one amazing close friend is better for your emotional well-being in the long run. Move by Mamma Mia! is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia! subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. For fans of the legendary TV show Parks and Recreation, you would be across the concept of Galentine's Day. Ladies celebrating ladies. You know my code. Hoes before bros. Uteruses before deuters. Got it. Ovaries before broveries. Technically, Galentine's is marked on February 13th, the day before Valentine's. The character Leslie Nope, played by comedian Amy Poehler, taking the day to celebrate her girlfriends. But it's not the only time she goes out of her way to give her girl gang the love and support they deserve. She doesn't allow them to speak poorly of themselves, to doubt their talents or abilities, lets them know they don't need a man to get the best out of life, while also trying to help find them a lover. You beautiful spinster. I will find you, love. What? Did you say something? Love you. Because she knows that those women will have her back through the good times and the bad that they'll be by her side to the very end, and she appreciates them as much, if not more than, her romantic relationships. And Leslie's attitude isn't just representative in fiction. There are many women who say they're close gal friends, sisters from another mister, or in fact, sisters from the same mister, are just as important, if not more so, than their significant others. Elizabeth, for example, says her partner is well aware that her best friend outranks him. So there's a card game called Reflex, which is absolutely brilliant. It just asks different questions. It's a conversation starter. And I was playing with my mum and my husband and the card came up, who is your favourite person? And my mum looked at me and she was like, it's you. And I'm like, oh, thanks, mum. My husband (laughs) looked at me and he's like, of course it's you. But don't worry, I know yours is Tiff. (laughs) 
And I laughed and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. You know, in her defense, we've known each other our entire lives. She was there first. <laughs> and he laughs. He, I mean, like, we know that our partners, you know, are amazing and we love them, but there's just this underlying thing of when you meet I don't want to say soulmate, but like, yeah, you meet that person. You're like, oh, okay. Through everything, they just get it. And I think when you know someone for that long, you just don't have to explain anything to them. When new things happen in your life, they know the context because they've known the context the entire time, which you really don't get very often. So I think it's it's pretty special. And, and I guess it's why we um, both value it so much. Rose says she's made it clear that her best friend will be an important part of her future, partnered up or not. When I picture my future, getting older, settling down, maybe some of us are having kids, I obviously picture my partner there with me, but I also picture my best friend in a different way. But, you know, she's still there and she's still so involved in my life. And honestly, I don't think I ever had to have that much of a conversation with my partner about that because when we met, I don't think there was any way he could deny how close I was with my best friend and it was obvious how important she is to me. But definitely when my partner and I talk about our future together, he very much acknowledges that I will need to live close to my best friend. And those comments kind of started out as jokes, but over time they've become more and more serious. So I'm very lucky everyone (laughs) understands what's going on. And Jackie told us that she and her BFF are planning their lives, including a retirement plan, together. So we met 20 years ago when our kids were playing tennis every Saturday morning for eight years and then went on to basketball and footy. And so we sat there on the sidelines with our coffee pretending to watch, but really just having a good old natter. Well, then our coffee mornings then became, let's go out for a drink. And then we started partying a little bit with other friends and we both liked walking and, you know, keeping fit. And then we started traveling together and it's just sort of developed. It just became this, you know, three phone calls a day (laughs) and telling our deepest, darkest secrets. Do either of you have partners? No, at the time I was married and she had a partner, a long-term partner, and then both those relationships have ended. So we've sort of just been there for each other and then that's also then developed into a really good friendship. When you guys did have partners throughout your relationship, did you ever feel like you put your friendship ahead of your partner at any stage? Yeah, a lot of the time we did. We told things to each other that we wouldn't say to our partner. We'd obviously talk about our partners, but not really say to them what we were feeling. We would say it to each other and negotiate what we could say to the partner. But yeah, we definitely have a unique sort of way of being able to talk about those things. So tell me about your future plans with your friend. Has she become your lifelong partner now? Yeah, pretty much. People often say you two have such a unique relationship because, yeah, we do tend to do everything together and we travel together. We've, you know, done a lot of countries and plan to do a lot more. And, yeah, our future plan, we kind of think that eventually I've sold my house, she'll sell her house and that we'll build something where we both have our own space so we're not, you know, in the same house sort of thing but we'll have connected houses And the eventual goal, because we're still in our 50s, our eventual goal is to then have a nurse who would live in the connecting space and would take care of us so that we don't have to go into aged care. (laughs) 
everyone's going to accuse you of being more than just friends, that you're actually romantic partners. How do you navigate that? Yeah, we get that a lot, especially from our kids. She's always posting things about, oh, she won't marry me. She still won't marry me. And yeah, I just say she's too high maintenance. And then I add at the end, oh, and we're not lesbians. My son recently said they're they're not lesbians, but they're definitely in a relationship. So is there any issue with putting friends before partners? Is it actually better for us in the long run? Or are we shortchanging the person we choose as a life partner? Elizabeth Shaw is CEO of Relationships Australia New South Wales and has worked for over 25 years as a clinical and counselling psychologist with extensive experience in relationship services. Elizabeth, we're told that we're supposed to put our romantic partner first, but is there any harm in a friend instead topping that list? I think on any one day, week, moment, you know, you have a variety of number ones. You know, there's times that your kids become number one or your workplace has to become number one. I think, you know, the very idea that we should pick one thing at all times is just not how life works. There are times in our lives when our girlfriends become actually essential for our very emotional survival. And so we shouldn't be afraid to call that out. Why do we find it difficult, though, to break free of the convention that our spouse or our partner is supposed to be our number one person in our world? I think the training that we have that we find the one, like we use this language that we're going to find the one that we partner with and who will put us first. You know, this sort of language, which is incredibly romantic, is very casually put out there. And so I think that feeds on all sorts of levels this belief that they should come first. But in any healthy relationship, your choice of partner is entirely supported and enabled by the cast of, you know, many people around you, which could include other couples that back you, your extended family that back you, the friends that love you being together, enjoy your company as a couple, how your kids see you working together if you have kids. So in fact, our couple relationship is about turning to each other, but it's also about our support team and who cheers us on to be the best couple. What are the benefits to us of having whether it's just that one person or a group of people who are really close friends, people that know you really, really well? The people that know us really well remind us of other parts of ourselves that sometimes slip from view. So they often know us in a broader way. They've seen us in different times. They might have known us before we partnered up or they know us from work or basketball or whatever it is. And so they know other aspects of themselves and they remind us of that. And I think that's good to flesh ourselves out as a whole person, to know different people that keep us going and keep us well-rounded in effect. I think too that when times are tough, and particularly if you're going through a tough time with your partner, having someone in your corner that's not just a subjective you know, joins in when you're upset, but is actually a wise mind can say, now, come on, there's another way to see this. That can actually be not only fantastic for our mental health, but in fact, could send us back to our relationship, better resourced to try harder at some of the curly things that might be thrown up there as well. Do you think we're seeing a shift in the acceptance of platonic friendships being 
much more important in our lives. I mean, if you look at back at human history, I mean, we've gone from having a village through some periods of people having friendships where they wrote each other love letters and no one ever thought anything of it to kind of narrowing us down to having to have that one person and then our friends are kind of aside. Do you think we're kind of shifting back into a more of an acceptance that our platonic friendships are actually just as, if not more important than our romantic partners? I think we definitely are, and I think that is talked about more. We also know that living alone, single-person dwellings are the fastest-growing housing form. So I think more people are choosing to live alone, even if they're in a relationship. There's something about, you know, being alone or having periods of time being single that is much more what we just know to be normal. And so as soon as you are in different life stages like that, then you know that it's friends that actually travel with you on that journey because partners, even good partners and worthy relationships can come and go for a whole variety of reasons. So friends keep us going through those ups and downs and see us through many dramatic life events, some of which are very unexpected. Can we look at this from sort of a gendered perspective for a moment? Because we do view those really close relationships differently when we look at them from an outside perspective on men and women. We see those close intimate relationships that women have with their friends as kind of a natural thing. But when we see it with men, there's this idea that then they're a bit immature, that they do the whole, you know, pardon my language, the bros before hoes kind of mentality. Is it harder for men to kind of continue those friendship circles as they get older? I think it really is. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So one is because I think girlfriends are often attached to some negative stereotypes like girls need to talk and, you know, all that emotional stuff and they need other girls to do it with. So it's quite dismissive sometimes of that and almost like, you know, go over there and talk to your girls so as it doesn't bother me. I think that's a stereotype very strongly, but also because male friendships are attached to other things that are seen to be a bit infantile, like going out and getting drunk. And so therefore, it's not just that they're male friends, it's also what you do with your male friends. So girls might go out to dinner and have a damn good chat, whereas boys might, you know, either play footy or drink. Now, none of that is actually necessarily true. But I think those stereotypes don't do anybody any favours. In fact, it's true enough that men who are heterosexual often rely and in fact over-rely on their female partners for emotional intimacy and support. And that's why men don't fare well when relationships break down. Women go on to survive that much better because they do have usually other people in their corner, whereas men are often very isolated at a relationship breakup. And it is because they have invested so much with their female partner. So there is benefit to not piling all your emotional, physical and intellectual needs into one person. That leaves space for your intimate partner to be imperfect. Your friends can plug the gaps that your significant other can't. And if there's one major benefit that encouraging your friendships to be seen in the same light as a partner has, is that we can start to tackle an issue that impacts so many Aussies in 2022. Loneliness. Relationships Australia report that most Australians will experience loneliness at some stage in their life. In surveys done since the start of the global pandemic, 54% of those who responded reported they felt more lonely now than before. A platonic partnership, sharing a home together and being someone's village where things like childcare and financial support is shared, maybe we could see those loneliness stats decrease. 
That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with help from producer Callie Borg. Audio production by Ian Camilleri. And speaking of girl squads, have you watched the Sex and the City reboot and Just Like That yet? If you want some behind-the-scenes goss on the show, listen to The Spill's bonus episode, which includes insights on all the things, including that sex scene between Shane Miranda. It was written completely differently, so it was written to be almost Ooh. like a, a really soft, like, moan, like, very sensual. But when they came in to film it, Cynthia Nixon, the actress, who had a kind of a similar storyline, and one of the reasons she agreed to come back to the show is that her character explore a different storyline than she'd had originally. And obviously later in life she fell in love with a woman and, and they started a life together. And so when you hear that really, at the end of that sex scene, that really guttural moan, almost like an animal sound... The director said that that just came from Cynthia because she was thinking of that moment where she had that release for the first time. I know, right? I'm like, did this just get hotter? I think it did. I think it did. Check out The Spill in your favourite podcast app now. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.